0: Welcome,
1: everyone, to this week's version of the Bombercast post-North Melbourne win. That's 11 grand finals in a row for us. Congratulations to Essendon. If you're looking for a review of the game, it's this. North Melbourne aren't good. Essendon aren't much better. But we got the four points. Burn the tapes. (laughs) And from that, what we're going to do now is actually just going to look forward not only to this week, but we're going to look forward to uh, the draft in a couple of months time, which is uh, amazing. It's so close. But... Look, I've got with me here, not a uh, regular co-host Bon but a uh, resident big footy draft expert and GWS tragic PM Bangers. Bangers, how are you, mate? Thanks for joining
0: us. I'm fantastic, Grizz. Thanks for having me. Um My official title is actually GWS Nuffy, but I'll, I'll take tragic any day of the week. <laughs> well, I
1: was, I was trying to be nice, but if
0: yeah, I, I suppose Nuffy probably was... Work in that sense.
1: How are you going? It's been a good year for the Giants so far. I think both last time we had you on, it was last year, and both of us were looking at a team's finishing bottom four. But you know, both teams down the edge today. It's it's been a good year for the Giants.
0: Yeah, it has been, and it's been a pretty good year for Eston as well, from what I've seen. Um, I'm just hoping that this week's game is a little bit better than the last game that we played at Marvel because my God, if I have to sit through that many behinds in a row again, I. I do know. I'm already depressed, but I might get slightly more so.
1: Yeah. Well, last time we played you uh, up in Sydney, we got a bit of a touch up, and then our coach was sacked two weeks later. So, and then unsacked, and there was a whole schmozzle. So, um, who knows? We don't want to to end up like that anyway. But, the football's sort of secondary to the purpose of this conversation, I think, in the sense that we've got you on the talk draft. Now, obviously, you're, you're one of the resident draft experts on Big Footy. You have a thread, which is pretty well populated. And so we just wanted to chat to you, noting that um I don't think so either team are looking towards premiership fancies at this point and probably starting to look towards the off-season. I just wanted to start, and we'll get into some more specific questions in a minute, what's What's your gut feel on this year's draft, you know, in terms of its quality as a whole and, and just uh, about the players you think? Yeah. Is it strong in comparison to previous years? Is it not? There's obviously a lot of talk about Harley Reid and who has been the presumptive number one for about 18 months now. Well, what's your general feel on this draft Um, after, you know, obviously the, the national champs wrapping up a couple of weeks ago?
0: Yeah, look, certainly um, it's no secret that the depth probably isn't there that we would have hoped for, and I think You know, it's been a little bit dramatic, people claiming, oh, there's only going to be 40 players taken and stuff like that. I think we will see a few more than 40, but the main issue is going to be that a lot of the genuine top 40 prospects at this stage are club-tied, so... Obviously, that sort of frustrates people, especially when you have three Gold Coast Academy selections that will likely be bid on in the top 15 and um, are arguably worth more than um, where they will get bid. So I can see the frustration there. I still think that the top end of this draft is really good. And the things that we got excited about last year in regards to the X factor amongst the top sort of 12 or so is, is still shining through and accurate. And you know we've seen some of these players like Daniel Curtin's a good example he's just gone from strength to strength this year he's had that really really good national championships where he played as a midfielder and by all rights at 195 centimeters he probably shouldn't be but WA's um midfield depth was just no good so he had to step in there and then he's returned to club level and and debuted at waffle senior level as a KPD and had two really good weeks so I think that the the runs are on the board for some of those top end talents and there's still some X factor and excitement at the top end, but it does thin out really quickly. And I think that the best sign for that is generally, um, when you look at big footy and everyone's sort of 20 to 40 range is different. Yeah, I don't right. think you'd find like if you, if you went to Davos thread, and compared it to mine, not that I have a top 40 up, but I don't reckon that we'd have 20 identical players now, even 15 to 35 range. So it's pretty, it thins out pretty quickly. And I think that, yeah, there's going to be some surprises on draft night just because of that. What I will say though, is it's a really great year if you need some, you know, just small to medium defenders and Rucks, it, it is a really good draft for Rucks. Oh, great! The two things that Essendon probably don't need, but that's all right. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> well, Andrew Phillips has recently retired. Don't oh, don't uh, don't shove him to the side so quickly. Yeah,
1: Essendon legend,
0: <laughs> Essendon Phillips. and GWS legend. That's oh we're mate,
1: the, it, Cup this week. the definition of a cult hero, I reckon, Andrew <laughs> Phillips. But um, he's uh, amazingly loved on our board, funnily enough, for uh, uh, a guy that has been a genuine ruckman. But we're not here for Andrew Phillips. So uh, you talked about your top forty. We're probably not going to go that broad but oh, what I, I did find, yeah yeah we, we haven't got that long um <laughs> what I wanted to do is sort of chat about sort of the top four or five guys in the draft at the moment um yeah so the consensus top five so last year you, you uh correctly predicted elijah sardis to to slide all the way from one to four at essendon um which
0: well, was a big one it was a yeah, big call at the time yeah. and it paid off
1: well uh i i'm fairly sure we heard uh ed ps um screaming from the streets enjoy when it happened so you made <laughs> him happy but maybe let's go one to five i've got the power rankings up from rookie me central which is where bangers and a bunch of other guys who do some real great work on the draft to keep you updated the presumptive number one, we should start there. Harley Reed, can you like so much has been talked about with Harley Reid. He's been the number one pick basically for eighteen months. What's something we don't know about Harley Reed? What's the skinny on him? Sort of came into the year as a utility, but played a lot of midfield in the in the championships.
0: Yeah, I think he he does still. I still classify him as a utility because yeah, he's played a bit more midfield at our champs level this year. But then if we go and look at him at Benigo Pioneers and even at VFL level he's played more up either end than in the midfield so he's still got that um, form in every position this year but yeah as as you said like for 18 months he's been the number one pick I remember like a couple years ago seeing him as a 16 year old playing against like George Wardlaw and Will Ashcroft in the under 17s champs that we had in 2021 um, between COVID lockdowns and just even then like he was doing the same stuff that he does now he was stiff arming people for fun flying for marks just like I reckon I'd be annoyed playing on him because he's actually always got a smile on his face as well, which would really frustrate a lot of opposition, I reckon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I suppose, you know, we won't talk too much about Harley Reid because I think it's probably really understandable, at least for Essen and Jitter West might be in a chance with a couple of first round picks. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, him being Victorian boy and West Coast having number one pick presumptively at the moment. I won't ask you how much he's worth because I feel like it, you know if you get it's a bit like a house auction. You get two teams bidding. Who knows how high that price goes? But I suppose you know to carry on the house buying analogy. You know if you're the real estate agent for the West Coast and you're selling the number one pick, what's your reserve? So what what's the what do you think the minimum West Coast should be if they do even want to entertain? They might decide Harley Reid's they good. They don't even want to bother. But if a trade was to happen, what's the minimum for that number one pick, presumptively being Harley Reid? And, and speak generally.
0: Yeah, I think like one top five pick and one top ten pick. So, um, yep. like the two first rounders that that'd be the minimum, I'd say. And you mentioned elite young talent like Nick Martin. I think it'd just probably depend on what what player is being offered up as yep. to which one of those two first rounders you'd give up. But I think if West Coast were to trade back just this is me a hypothesis not a an actual set in stone concrete thing but I think that they'd be looking at getting in like Curden as a WA boy makes sense and as a tall defender that they can sort of build their future around and then like a McKercher or Dersma um or even a Sanders like guys that can be the, that midfield pillar I guess heading into the future and and wax along with Jinby and Hewitt in the future, yep. like if, if they could set themselves up with two of those players realistically with the picks that they get for trading pick one, then they might entertain it. But I uh, look, ultimately at the end of the day, I think if I was in their shoes, I'd just hold pick one and take Harley. Yeah, I think that's probably the consensus a lot at the moment in the media is just you, you take the guy that that's
1: good, that is that good. Um, We'll, we'll probably fly through the next. The next one's uh, one of those academy-leaked players you talked about, Jed Walter. Big bustling key forward, looks like a man-child in the the Coates Talent League, I think it's called now in its yeah you know, in its thousandth
0: iteration. The old um we've been calling it talent league just, just to <laughs> make it easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So bit of a man child. Um my you know, I suppose my question is he he's presumptive number two at the moment. How much do you think his output at the moment, and it is significant, it's about five and a half four about four and a half, five goals a game in the talent league. How much of that is you know, just being bigger than his opposition or do you think he's got the talent to mix it? And he, and you know, if he wasn't sort of team tied, do you think
0: he's a number one sort of prospect at this point? So yeah, heading into this year, I was really hesitant to go, you know, high on Walter. I think I sort of said like, uh, who knows, I need to watch him more, but he could just be a man child. But yeah, this year has just proven that it's not the case. Like he, he's really good at getting separation on the lead um, just purely through speed. But then when you combine it with his physicality as well, he's, he's nearly unstoppable one-on-one, which we saw throughout the championships. It was probably only um, Ollie Murphy that half shut him down. But even then, like, I think um, it's probably a bit generous towards Murphy saying that, but yeah, I think the Gold Coast tie is very favorable towards them because just given the weight that people put on tall forwards, particularly in the modern game, a a tall forward like Walter, who is really fit and can get up the ground and and finds ways to consistently get involved, even if there's not consistent delivery inside 50. Like, I think those key forwards are probably the types that you're going to see slowly take over the AFL. And he'd be a pick one contender for sure. Um, But yeah, as we've seen in the past, it's probably unlikely he does get bit on pick one just because of that academy tie and he, he might even slipped to sort of three or four yeah right well
1: that's a shame for whoever's picking after west coast i suppose um number three i've got here colby mccurcher um this is just from your your 10th of august updates on your power rankings Yeah. um another allies pick and we'll get to this in a minute the allies seem to have had a great year obviously i think clean swept the champs yeah a real classy type. So I read someone um compared him to a Zach Merritt, which Heston fans w- would obviously know well. Tell us more about Colby McKerchart.
0: Yeah, it's um it's it's weird that you've got a, a genuine top three prospect that's gone almost under the radar for the last couple of months. Um <laughs> like Colby has. But yeah, he, he's just been phenomenal this year, really. And he, he broke out and maybe it's because of his consistency, which is at a really high level that people have Almost forgotten about him in a sense because he he's just that you know averages low thirties per game possessions for a midfielder and with his speed and his kicking he can break lines really well particularly when he gets out in space but he is quite good around stoppages still and in contested situations like he's not a, a massive body or anything but he holds his own and I think that 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 versatility to balance his inside and outside game is going to be really valuable heading into the next level and um yeah like you said the Zach Merritt comparison he's probably a little bit quicker but not as damaging as a kick which I mean you'd probably take that payoff in in the long run and yeah like I think it'll be interesting to see with him and probably the other Tasmanian prospects in general across the draft whether maybe they do slide just due to clubs being a bit wary with Tasmania coming into the competition in five or so years but Kobe's you know he's He's just going to be that, I think, said and forget midfielder. Like, you know, mentioned it before, West Coast. He could be someone that waxes really well with a um, as more of that receiver from the first possession winner from stoppage. And especially if he sort of figures out how to involve his right side of the body a bit more throughout games, he's going to be a, a really damaging player. Cool. So we'll, we'll fly through the
1: next two uh, a bit quicker. Nick Watson, probably the other really well-known prospect a genuinely small, small forward. Nick yeah. the Wizard, I think, from Cal Toomey. What, what's the skinny on, on Nick? And um, do you think his size is going to be a limiting factor on his draft range come draft night, just being you know, the 170 centimetres and 67 kilos?
0: I think I oh, it's so hard with Nick. Like he is, and I say this with absolute confidence, there's no doubt in my mind that it, purely on talent, he is the best player in this draft. Like the things Ooh. that he can do with the footy, and like just his sense of the game and his athleticism when you combine it all it's it's and taking height out of consideration like it's so almost mouth-watering for recruiters and fans are like that's a bit of a weird way to describe it but anyway (laughs) um like I I think his size might be a limiting factor on his draft range um looking at it I think that you know as you know and we've seen the last few weeks Zane Dersmer and Curtin and even you know Darcy Wilson and Connor O'Sullivan guys sort of around that range, or guys that aren't linked to clubs around um, a similar range, are, are having good games, and maybe that sort of tempts recruiters because they go with a bit of a bigger body. You know, guys that are around the size of players that have done well. But but you watch Nick Watson now, and his height, he has found a way to to make it a strength and a part of his game. And I think that someone that can do it at one seventy centimeters and find the positives and absolutely get the most out of that is bound to succeed at whatever level of football they end up at. And like, yeah, he's such a, I I actually like don't have enough compliments for him as a player. I think that he's very much like he's got a a lot of Charlie Cameron and almost a Stephen Mill mix about him with his athleticism and how he can sniff out goals and just how, you know, confident he is. And he loves ripping into opposition players. And I think that, you know, there's a bit of Toby Green in that in that every other uh supporter yeah. is gonna hate him but if he's on your team you're gonna love him
1: yeah there's the comparison i keep hearing is it's a bit like caleb daniel When caleb daniel is coming through everyone's like mate if he was 180 centimeters he's the number one pick in the draft and i feel like a lot of people say the same thing about watson if he was just you know if he was a couple inches tall it's a different question um we'll, we'll just quick smart on daniel Curtin, who's the final of the top five you mentioned him before key defender that played a bit of midfield this year for wa um, apparently, it's more than a couple of teams, including Essen, looking at him. I don't think Essendon's going to get there at epic nine or whatever they get. Just, you know, a couple of moments on Daniel Curtin. Um, do you think he's, you know, the second life pick in this draft after Reid and obviously Walter? And do you, you mentioned before you think West Coast might be the team that targets him if they move back from Harley Reid.
0: Yeah, well, I think that the teams that are likely to end up with one and two, West Coast and North Melbourne, are both teams that could use Curtin yep um and yeah like he's he's a very I had doubts on his actual one-on-one defending ability heading into the champs but he did really well one-on-one against Jed Walter when he was matched up before moving into the midfield for the rest of the game and he's got that ability to to lock down one-on-one and be an effective intercept player while shutting down his opponent but his skills are really far ahead of what you would expect from someone of his size. So he's almost got that, you know, tall flanker tag just from how composed he is, how smoothly he moves through traffic and and how well he uses the footy by foot. And yeah, like, I, I think that he could be a, a genuine pillar and he's one that I hope like just looking from a GWS point of view, like if we traded up, I'd love to have him combine with um, Sam Taylor for, you know, 10 plus years, because I think he's got that, Who's a good comparison? Maybe Tom Stewart ability, but a little bit taller. So, you know, that ability to shut down, intercept, create, you know, run with the ball. He's just a a very all round solid defender.
1: Mm, wow.
0: Well, all right. No wonder so many clubs are interested.
1: You're you're talking before about the sort of depth of this draft. One thing that S, uh, draft fans and football fans always like to ask is about tiers, or you know, different sort of brackets of players um, in terms of trading up and down. How would you classify
0: the tiers in this draft? yeah so i think reed's probably in a a tier of his own at least for um non-club tied talent there's an argument to be made there for walter being a part of it but he's he's very far ahead still um despite the year that some players have had and then from there just looking at my rankings it's probably like a a two to ten scenario for the next tier. yep so and, and i mean within that is the three gold coast linked players for me so that's not promising to hear obviously but then from there it's probably um 11 to 16 in terms of talent and then for me I had a really hard time sort of sorting the order of my 17 to around 30 35 oh. <laughs> to yeah. okay um and then even from there like after 35 I think I had 12 players that I could have you know fit into 36 to 40 if I did a top 40 so I think that the 17 to 35 is probably, you know, that's where it starts getting about, you know, a little bit. Yeah, we've seen some good performances, but we are also relying on traits sort of thing. And then from that, like, it's probably more guys I'd be happier taking in the rookie draft. Yep. So I, I'm not overly high on the depth of this draft um, in that sense. But I do think that there's a lot of prospects with really desirable traits and like some of them, that I have later on so Phoenix Gothard is is probably a good example like he's a small forward with really good athletic traits really good goal sense but you know a few question marks on his game and he's one that I have sort of around that 35 at the moment so he's someone with those traits if they pay off like I could see him being a top 10 small forward of the competition but it's just like probably haven't seen the level of performance that you'd want to see to sort of hang your hat on making a call like that in the long run
1: Yeah, and I think generally that tier from 15 to 30, um, that's where the bolters and the sliders come from basically after the combine, isn't it? So you you get your, your top sort of rung of prospects that teams don't really want to trade out of. And then after that point, depending on how you go at the combine, teams start looking at traits and... Um, and size, and just betting on that, and it'll be interesting because I think there's quite a few. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of academy and father son guys. Matthew Croft, I think, is a father son of the Bulldogs. I don't know what they're feeding their players that all their play, all their like their former players are having these 200 centimeter freak athlete sons. But if we had a drug saga that needed investigated, they need to check what they're feeding the chicken that <laughs> feeding their chickens at Western Bulldogs. But I suppose. In that sense a lot of those picks that are in later on are going to crunch up which is just going to give you a higher level of variability so you had a mock draft come out which we appreciate because we know you're notorious for not liking to do them just
0: because i'm glad that people have started figuring that out yeah and
1: i understand why because you know, one, like, Cal uh, Twomey talks, I think it was 2020 where Will Phillips goes to North Melbourne, and then the rest of his mock draft just blew up. Like, it was just over <laughs> for that point. Um, so you can't really predict that sort of stuff happening. But in your latest one, which I think you did Sunday night, which is very fortuitous for this pod, you had Nate Caddy going to Essendon. Now, that will excite some, um, especially those who remember his, his uncle, I think it was, Josh, almost getting traded to Essendon back in the day. Tell us about nate caddy and why you think there's a chance he might slide and i i use slide in loose terms He's still going pick 11 in your mock draft that's pretty high but um tell us about nate caddy and why why you mocked him testing in there
0: yeah so um i guess nate uh, as a player like he's sort of your, your traditional well not traditional because he's got a lot of good athletic traits and he's sort of another one that has shown a capacity to move up the ground and even impact through center stoppages and then Plays a forward from there but like he, he's got a lot of lead up forward traits within his game and his strength probably is that ability to gain separation on the lead and, and take marks out in front because he's got um I know it's a weird buzzword going around on big footy now relating to draft prospects but he's got a really good wingspan so <laughs> that probably helps him despite being 192 centimeters but I just think that he his set shot routine in particular but his kicking in general definitely needs some work heading into the top level and a probably not the biggest fan of his body language at times on field like he um if, if he doesn't get used for a lead which he clearly feels like he should have he can be quite vocal about that with his teammates and um he's just and it could just be him being in the game I'm, i don't want to be coming across as taking a shot at the kid or anything but yeah, yeah. like I, I think things like that like clubs will be asking more about and trying to figure out what's going on there yeah
1: it's interesting. Uh, it could um Obviously, you know his uncle was a very similar player, was he? Very verbose on the field, but if you were to think of a comparison, I tend to look at him a bit like a, a taller Tim Membry, if that makes sense. But um, I don't know if that's an absolute comparison. Do you, Do you have a comparison for him?
0: Yeah, I think I think Nate's got the capacity to play as sort of that second string forward. Yep. Um. So more more so, yeah, that that lead up and maybe even that centre half forward because he can he's got that good separation on the lead so he can be a bit more of a link up player but I think you know with with the 666 rule and then if in the future you know hypothetically the bounce goes like I feel like center clearance game and the ability to get scores from center clearance is probably going to be a really important feature of AFL football and a player like Caddy that does get that separation on the lead really quickly and can take marks out in front consistently. Like he could even be a full forward if we do see that shift more towards stoppage football from um, set of clearances. So, you know, I, I think he's got the athletic traits and the, you know, playing capacity to be more of a Charlie Curno than a Jack Silvani. But yeah, I think a few things would have to go in his favor in terms of trends of the game for him to be like a genuine number one forward. Yeah, and I think you see
1: you see forwards like Tex Walker and Charlie Kerno and those sorts of guys who are not as tall, but like you said, they get that separation on lead really well. So that's good. Um, I just wanted to – so last year, like I said, you correctly predicted Sartis to slide a grand total of three spots. But moving – yeah, and we can talk about top 10 or top 30 if you want, but I just wanted to talk to you about some prospects that you think might slide or bolt from here. Yeah.
0: Um... Oh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, George Stevens is probably the main one that jumps to my head. Not that I think that he's a first-round prospect personally, but like obviously it's hard not to read um, commentary on, on draft prospects being around the draft board so much, and it seems like a lot of people are under the impression that he probably is a first-round contender. I think if he is to get drafted, I, I think it's far more likely to be 30-plus than um, inside 20 so right. he's yeah, he, he's one of the, that I'd pick. And then Mitchell Edwards, um, who's the, the WA Ruck Fremantle NGA, he like as a Ruck. Ruck, the probably the main criticism on him has been his endurance. So really for a young Ruck, that's not you know the worst thing in the world. And on talent, he's probably a top fifteen selection, but I reckon he'll probably slide out, um, not necessarily all the way to like past forty where Fremantle can match a bid, but he's probably like a thirties pick in that regard.
1: Right. Uh, do you ever bolted someone that you might think of a big
0: end to the year to shoot themselves up? Oh, geez, that's hard. I think so. James Leake from Tasmania is yep. one that I've gone back and watched the champs recently, and he's one that um, has risen greatly in my eyes. I think that and maybe it's just because he's a Tasmanian that's uh, a good mark despite being a little bit undersized, but I think that he's got a bit, bit of Jeremy Howe. In his game without the consistent speckies, like he's a really good contested mark overhead he's got a bit of speed he's got a bit of toe and he can play up either end of the ground he, he's shown you know when he goes forward i think oh, i forgot what game it was but in a coach league game i think he kicked three goals in a half after being switched to the forward line from the back line so he's got that flexibility in position and i think that um he, he's got a lot to offer and then the other one i would say that might bolt up is um Luke Lloyd from Sandringham Dragons so he missed out on Vic Metro selection because he had some injuries earlier in the year but he's been back with Sandy for you know the last two or three months and, and had some really good form as a mobile center half forward I guess similar to Walter in that sense that he gets up the ground a lot if the ball isn't coming inside 50 a lot so he's always involved and he's a really good marking player and I think that again um players that usually play or play a role that usually sits themselves deep inside forward but are now able to get up the ground and, and be involved in every stage of the game are going to be very valuable heading forward
1: thank you for your draft expertise and we'll we'll probably move now we've only got about 8 minutes left so we'll, we'll move on to a game that's actually being played this week between Essendon and, and GWS you wouldn't think oh, it I
0: barely want to think about it
1: yeah <laughs> We we touched at the start both teams actually I think we're at ninth and tenth on the ladder basically same amount of wins basically the same percentage both teams technically an a chance for finals need a few results to break their way due to percentage I find it really interesting this game because you know neither team are a great uh, a, a, so neither team are a great clearance teams Geelong are a bit better at their con- contested possession around the ground. But where GWS have really sort of factored in this year, I think, is your intercept game. Obviously, Sam Taylor, I think Jack backley has been a great pickup. Connor iden has been a revelation. And that orange tsunami from a few years ago has really gotten up and rolling. Uh, for those who may not watch a lot of GWS, uh, as Essendon fans, what does a good GWS game look like?
0: Yeah, it is that, that sort of intercept and quick rebound footy. So, um, you know, like you said, our... Stoppage game probably hasn't been the best recently or a clearance game, I should say. And we have really, especially with Harry Himmelberg uh, moving into the back line over the last couple of months, like we've just been able to save ourselves by having that reliability in the air. Like Jack Buckley coming back from the ACL has been great for us this year. Same, Sam Taylor has continued on his All-Australian form. Himmelberg's obviously a really good mark. Nick Haynes, when he is playing, um, he's been a bit more back in form when he's had that opportunity to fly at the footy and hasn't had to be too responsible for a direct opponent. And then, yeah, Conor and even Isaac coming when he's back there, are, are two guys that are pretty good airily for um, people their height. And then Josh Kelly's had a really good year in his ability to get involved um, from that defensive 50 to forward 50 transition. And we've really just rely not not necessarily relied but that's been our, our main avenue um to getting wins on the board and it's been the main way that we've stayed involved in games of footy throughout the season and why we haven't been smashed too often
1: yeah well it's interesting because that sort of sounds like the complete antithesis to our Eston likes to, um opposition well, we have obviously the worst transition defense in the league so um, and we tend to bomb along on Peter Wright's head and hope for the best a lot of the time. So it doesn't sound like that's going to work this week. Um, <laughs> note to self, don't kick it to Sam Taylor and don't let him run. Um, but <laughs> um, I, I sub- yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because I think both teams, when they win the centre clearances, tend to do pretty well, as any team does with the 6 6 6. But I think particularly Essen and their ability to d- defend transition um, will mean that if we can't. Um, make the most of our top fifties. GWS are just going to walk it out, and we see, you know, if you give GWS that that rolling sort of tidal wave off half back, they're hard to stop. I, I suppose the next question I want to ask you is, going forward for this game, what do you think is going to be the key uh, determining factor in this match in terms of either stopping GWS or stopping Essendon um, uh,
0: ahead of this week? Oh, uh, look, I can't say I've watched too much Essendon, so That's you're probably the expert there. But for us, uh, I think it is probably just like not, not allowing us to move the ball freely and being able to be switched on in transition. So we, we're we really good when the opposition aren't switched on from offensive to defensive transition as we are um, the other way. So like a, a guy like Lockie Ash is a really good example. He's become a really good and critical player for us this year because, you know, he, he's got he's got some really good pace. So when he gets the ball in the defensive half, he can run it into the forward half. And if if you're not checking that, then, you know, it generally hurts you um, with us going forward. But, you know, Lockie, uh, I love him. Great player, but not the best kick and not the most composed user. So if if he wins the footy or he gets the footy, turns around and he sees that like, oh shit, my down the line option's cut off. I don't have an inside 45. I can't switch kick it then. You know, he panics. and, And that's sort of a thing that, goes throughout our entire team is that we can panic a lot when our options are sort of cut off and um our clear path forward isn't there so I think that'll probably be what what it is and obviously like um probably shutting down Kieran Briggs as weird as it sounds like he's become a very vital player for us yes. with, the, with his ability to create contests down the line and and how good he's been in the ruck and you know how he can just physically bully opposition rucks so I think like you know is Draper injured is he gonna play
1: well, I think he's a chance to return. I I, I tend to think that we, we play better with Draper. This will be, I think, the team that score so something like 68 to seven sixty eight or 70% that ran that number of scores in the AFL tend to come off turnover. And I think yeah. this is going to be one of those ones where Ison likes to pick the ball off and go. Mason Redman, Andrew Grail, half halfback. Jordan Moodley's not playing, but I think you know, we, we play that more intercept style. Um, whichever team sort of... Can make the opposition pay off the intercept, particularly intercepts not in the defensive fifty, but closer to sort of the, the true center half back area. Um Essendon tends a lot of, when Essendon concedes deep inside fifties, we tend to not be able to get it out well. So the key will be how where the intercepts come and whether you can make the opposition pay. And I think that's probably the same for both teams. And for Essendon, it's just going to be not kicking it to Sam Taylor. And that sounds really ob- <clears throat> that sounds really obvious, but we. It, you would have thought Ben McCoy had already started playing for then last week. It, we oh, couldn't no. we couldn't not kick it to him. The week before we were kicking it to Jeremy McCoven every time except for every second time we went to 50. Like if we do that to Sam Taylor, it's lights out. He is better than yeah. both of those players. And so that'll be the key. It'll be which team can get their intercept game going the best and which team can make the most of it in terms of scoring. Um, Draper might be in. And if he does, he's going to be undercooked. We're we're probably going to bring in two rucks, which probably just adds an extra runner in there for GWS anyway, which will be interesting. Yeah,
0: well, especially with us, you know, really only playing Briggs uh, as the solo rucker and then rolling a Himmelberg through there. Like, I think um, that might work in our favour.
1: Yeah, I think um, the running power of GWS might be uh, a bit much if we have to carry two ruckmen. So we haven't got much time left so what we normally do to finish the pod is uh, a tip a prediction in terms of the margin and a crazy prediction for the game so i'll start off with to give you an idea so i'm tipping gws i'm tipping them by 11 points up in sydney and i think that sam taylor breaks the intercept mark record
0: for a game <laughs> uh, okay um i'll tip gws as well by 24 points that's two rounds but i'm not taking it back now um and then i'll say we'll have i don't know five players with over 35 disposals jesus
1: all right well that would be a big win uh well um thank you bangers again for jumping on we appreciate you, you joining us for this week
0: oh thank you thanks for having me
1: No worries. You can catch B&Bangers at Big 40 and also at Rookie Me Central. Um, This has been uh, this week's version of the Bombercast. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell your mates. Have a good weekend and go.